welcome back. Last time we read in chapter 5 that the apostles were, were arrested at the temple for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, which angered the religious leaders. The religious leaders ended up beating or whipped the apostles and commanded them to not to speak in the name of Jesus. The religious leaders thought their threats and their bullying the apostles would stop them from preaching in his name. How did the apostles respond after they let them go? Well, let's read 540 to 42. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So these departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The apostles did not lose their joy in the Lord after having been beaten, but rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer in Christ's name. How many would respond to persecution with rejoicing today? What we do read in Acts is instead of fearing the religious leaders of their threats, the apostles did not stop teaching and preaching Jesus, and many were turning to the Lord. Now let's continue as we begin to read chapter 6. Let's start in verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, Is it not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So as we read in the last chapter that the believers in Christ were selling their belongings and their property to help their fellow believers by giving the proceeds to the apostles who gave to those in need. The problem was that the church was growing so fast that it made it impossible for the apostles to distribute to all those in need. The Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews who had a legitimate complaint. So the apostles gathered the disciples together to raise up leaders to come alongside the apostles to help distribute to those in need. The apostles said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The word tables in Greek is trapeza, means a table or stool, usually for food, also a counter for money. The point was that if the apostles spend all their time ministering to the people's physical needs, which is important, it will distract them to neglect the more important need, that is prayer, and to the ministry of the Word of God. Today, churches use this portion of Scripture as an example of roles for elders and deacons. Elders and deacons are the two positions that is in Scripture, given to Christ's church to oversee and tend his flock. Elders, bishops, and pastors are used interchangeable 
for the same position according to Scripture as we will see in Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul had gathered the elders in Ephesus to encourage them, saying, Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So elder is their title or position. Overseer and shepherd is their responsibility as elders. The word overseer in Greek is episcopos, which means bishop or overseer. Shepherd in Greek is poinio, means to tend, to feed as shepherd. The word shepherd extends more of what they are called to do rather than a title, that is to watch over, feed, and tend the flock. Deacons in Greek is deaconos, it's an attendant, a waiter, minister, or servant. So when Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he addressed his letter to the church and to the church leaders. He addressed only two positions when addressing to the leaders as overseers and deacons. Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 1. Today, many churches have many titles for the many positions created for leaders that are not found in Scripture. Should churches add positions not found in Scripture? This has caused much division. Well, back to the point, elders and deacons using this verse as an example. Does this mean that the church should follow the example in Acts chapter 6, that elders and pastors' responsibility is to constantly be in prayer and in the Word of God so they could teach and minister to the Word during church service on Sundays? and leave all the other needs to the deacons? Well, Paul, writing to Timothy, an elder in the church of Ephesus, was told to do the work as an evangelist. Timothy, as elder, was to go and preach the gospel to the lost, as did Paul. Elders are called to equip the saints. Saints are the believers, followers of Christ. And for what purpose? For the work of the ministry. Well, what is the work of the ministry? It is to equip the saints to fulfill the great commission that the Lord commanded before he ascended to heaven. We see that in Matthew 28, 18-20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And though... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. There are many responsibilities that elders and deacons have, and unless one is filled with the Holy Spirit, it would be impossible to fulfill. Many desire to be leaders, but an elder or a deacon is a calling from God, not an occupation of employment. We have too many false teachers because too many people desire the role of leadership. The other problem is that when there is a need of leadership in the church, they are raised up because of their education or talents, rather than being raised up recognizing the call of God in their life.
being filled with the Spirit and having good reputation amongst God's people. One individual that the believer saw fit for that description was Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. We study that in verse 5. It says, And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Now, was Stephen the only one who was a man of faith and spirit-filled? No. All seven fit, fit that description. Stephen's point is, Stephen is pointed out because God has a greater calling for Stephen, not just being a deacon, as we'll see as we read through the next chapter. Let's move on to verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests were obedient to the faith. See, multitudes of Jews were turning to Christ, even the priests. Notice the verse does not say the priests were obedient to their religion or obedient to the law, but obedient to the faith. Priests already were seen by people as obedient to the law. They were very religious and served because of Jewish traditions, pursuing obedience to the law. See, after the priests understood and believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came into the world, the promised Messiah from the Old Testament scripture, who fulfilled all righteousness, fulfilling all the requirements of the law, having never sinned, then died on the cross, taking the place of sinners, paying the penalty for sin by dying on the cross, which all sinners deserved, not Jesus Christ. The priest, having turned to Christ, believing and trusting in Christ alone as Savior, the priest became obedient to the faith in Christ, no longer trying to earn their salvation through works. And we see that in Ephesians 2, 8 and um, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. For we, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's move on to verse 8 in, in um, chapter 6 of um, Acts. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So we see that Stephen was full of faith. He did not waver. He was fully, he fully put his trust and belief in Jesus Christ, trusted his word. Stephen being full of faith, God having a purpose for Stephen, had the attention focused on Stephen by manifesting God's power through Stephen. The grace of God was upon Stephen and that his, the wisdom by the Spirit of God spoke through Stephen. The wonders and signs, as we read before, 
was to validate his words that they were from God. And no one was able to dispute against God's word that was communicated through Stephen. Those from the synagogue of the freedmen could not dispute against the wisdom of Stephen. So as usual, those who are not able to fight against the truth must turn to lies. They lied to try to discredit the words of Stephen. And we see that in verse 11. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard and speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the, the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat on the council, council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Jesus had fulfilled the laws of God, not Moses. Moses was a man that God used to give the law. They accused Stephen of speaking against the law of Moses. Because Jesus fulfilled the law, Jesus promised that the temple where they practiced their religious duties would be destroyed. That happened around 35 years later from the time of Stephen. When Titus and the Roman soldier destroyed the temple, as was prophesied. Jesus said, on, that, on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. If what Christ accomplished on the cross was finished, what purpose for the continuing of sacrifices that was performed at the temple? Because those who accused Stephen were not born again and did not know God, wanted to hold on to their traditions and reject the truth of God's word and rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you had a group of people who took you to court and straight out lied to try to disqualify you from proclaiming what is true, how would your expression on your face be? Would people see you as angry or frustrated? Stephen, instead of looking frustrated, the author of the book defines Stephen as, as having a face of an angel. We've never seen an angel before, but we can understand that because Stephen's focus is in eternity, knowing that this world was not his home, he had the peace of God. And being a man full of faith, focusing on Christ and not his situation, Trusting God, no matter what the outcome is, it was evident by seeing Stephen's face expressing joy, not anger or bitterness. And what was the outcome? Well, we will find out next time when we read chapter 7 of the book of Acts. Until next time, God bless you.